Today, I am so excited to have Dr. Sina Haynes with us. She is an aspiring yoga instructor and a bit of a foodie who likes to travel. Her most recent travel adventures took her to Rome, Florence, Sorrento, and Venice in Italy. Unlike her last two visits to Italy, she impressively was able to stay away from gelato. Her son, Ian, will be driving soon, so watch out. Her dog, Jed Walker, is a total sweetheart who likes peanut butter more than life itself. Dr. Stuart Haynes managed to steal Sina's heart after they attended an invitational conference on diabetes management, and you can imagine that their mutual love of teaching and learning makes for super interesting dinnertime conversations at home, or maybe not so much. Welcome, Dr. Haynes. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Wonderful. Well, we talked a little bit about your bio, but would you be able to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your teaching style? Sure. Um, I am a professor for pharmacy practice at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Been there about three years. I serve as department chair. And before that, I was associate dean for faculty at Palm Beach Atlantic University. I've been in academia since residency training. I would say, goodness, it's going on 18 years. Doesn't feel like it. Um, I just love being in academia. I feel like my calling came while I was in pharmacy school, although I never would have thought that would be the case when I first started pharmacy school. But shortly after my time there, I got that bug for academia that blossomed um, into where I am today. I have spent most of my time studying more about teaching and learning, how people learn. I'm very interested in all forms, all teaching modalities. I think my teaching style is a bit of a potpourri. Mm -hmm. I consider myself to, first and foremost, always seek to actively engage my learners. I follow more of a multimodal approach. Mm -hmm. And I would also say I aim to be very engaging, inviting, and Primarily also um, stress always a learner-centered approach in how I design and deliver my teaching. Perfect. So can you tell us about a time where you um, where a teaching strategy was really effective and maybe surprisingly effective? And then can you also tell us about a time when maybe a teaching strategy that you piloted or implemented didn't go so well? I think I could probably use the same example for that, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, interestingly, right? You know, because part of what we do when we experiment in the learning lab or the classroom, whether it's didactically or experientially, over time can improve to what the initial outcome might have been. So I came up with this idea many years ago, probably back in 2010. can't remember exactly how I was inspired by it, but the idea I came up with, was to do a YouTube project in my disease prevention and health promotion course Mm -hmm. at my previous institution. I wanted to do something a bit avant-garde and non-traditional, and I came up with this idea to create this project around healthy people. I guess it would have been 2015 at the time. And so the major project of the course would entail students being um, forming into groups, and coming up with a very succinct message which could be geared towards health professionals, pharmacists specifically. It could be geared towards patients, 
um, certain disease state focused areas, obviously that would reflect Healthy People 2020, so the topic list mirrored those goals. Mm -hmm. And the teams had to come together and determine what this message was to that particular target audience and had free reign to create and craft a very creative and succinct message that would have to hit certain elements, obviously, that were more rubric derived to help guide them. They had a faculty coach. And initially, of course, the students were like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) You want me to do what? I don't have any training to capture a video. I don't even know the firsthand about editing. Mm -hmm. This seems crazy to me. How are we going to accomplish in this semester? And so there was some initial resistance for sure. But thankfully, you know, the time and effort to put in to help lay out their, you know, to chart their course and bring in support through our information services and technology for the university to come in and guide them in phases or I would say stages to help them map out their approach from designing their script to laying out, um, really reaching all those elements as it, as it related to filming and editing support. We had labs made available to them to help work through that process. And the project encompassed this entire semester. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is I definitely received a lot of resistance along that first year I did this journey in mm-hmm. the classroom. But when I tell you how blown away not just myself and all the faculty coaches, but the students as well as the peers for each of these groups when we had dedicated time at the end of the semester to watch these videos and see what they had accomplished and these amazingly creative and diverse messages. You could have heard a pin drop in the room and the cheering and applauding and the deep questions that were being asked. And I ended up having an awards um, Day, kind of like the Oscars. So yeah. I set up and the effort I was doing around this celebration and coming up with specific awards, just like the Oscars, and even buying an Oscar trophy. <laughs> and we had like the top three that received the Oscars. And those videos, over the years I did this project, it um, really kind of went viral. We've had nonprofits adopt the videos, depending on the topic matter, to post on their website. ASHP picked up a few videos when I did them around med safety related goals. Um, they they had gone so viral yeah. that I started being asked to give podium presentations on this. I had it duplicated at several other schools, not necessarily in a public health related course, but self care courses. Um, a therapeutics mini project came in one institution, and then uh, myself and another colleague submitted this project to AACP and it received um, a teaching innovation award. That's so fantastic. It, it was a really amazing journey and I think most of my enjoyment was seeing that transformation and the learners realizing what they were capable of and helping them although it was health professions related kind of get out and go and move into another area of innovation and creativity and see what they could be doing in the learning lab before they're even out in practice. That is so cool. That is fantastic. And I love that it, like, you know, you had the idea for this project, but it went even beyond what you thought it was going to by being picked up by these external places. I had no idea. (laughs) So if you, um, if someone was saying that they wanted to create a similar project, you know, using YouTube and having students create content, 
Do you have any advice um, for things that you found along the way? I know you mentioned you reached out to the kind of maybe IT support at your institution. Um, Any other advice as far as implementing something like that? Yes, so I definitely reiterate as you've just done. So looking at your resources in terms of support and expertise within your institution and meeting early and discussing kind of that roadmap approach I think is critical. And obviously doing your own research external of the technology side, but thinking about looking at how one needs to script and the editing and how to deliver a succinct message, kind of that elevator speech mentality. So Mm -hmm. I think each of the elements of this project, it will take some time for you as an individual or if collaborating, which I highly recommend from inception, to brainstorm and um, determine what are the steps and well document those steps because like anything we're teaching for the first time, especially something that seems very foreign and people don't have some baseline of experience, that you really need to lay out a very specific process to help them achieve those, those clear expectations. And as always, because this is a student-related um, project, it has great implication and what I call great currency. And so the assessment side is also key. So thinking about backwards planning and understanding what it is, what are the elements you want to assess and how does that lay into the canvas of establishing and setting this project into motion. Absolutely. Well said. So in your time throughout your career in academia, if you had a brand new faculty member come up to you or someone straight out of residency or postdoc training and um, they wanted your advice, what insight about being a faculty member do you wish you had on your first day? That's a great question. And I could probably go on forever, so I will try and be No, please. This, but yeah. um, I feel like, for me, um, one of the things I hadn't mentioned when I just briefly talked about myself was my first position was at a brand new school of pharmacy, and I was the first pharmacy practice person hired, even before our department chair. Wow. And that very much excited me. I'm someone who likes to step into something new. It doesn't have to be well-established. I don't need a lot of uh, guidance to get going. It's just my nature to be um, a very curious person Mm -hmm. and inquisitive and like to sort of uh, establish and move forward, and it doesn't really intimidate me in any way. However, I can't say that coming into a new school with very few faculty that you know, it can be certainly demanding. You grow exponentially because you're given responsibilities that you probably wouldn't have if you came into more of a legacy institution. So mm-hmm. my growth and leadership and responsibility and curricular design, curricular reform, again, came at a very exponential pace. But I think what it also taught me is the value of mentorship and helping others who are inexperienced. So because I was new and didn't have a lot of guidance, and it was very much trial by fire to some extent, I became very passionate about nurturing and mentoring others and paying it forward. So I feel that, to me, as a new faculty member, you don't want to be onto an island unto yourself. Mm-hmm. There is is very important to reach out to others, to build your network early on. I tell all my faculty, collaboration is Mm-hmm. So right from the beginning, one of your earliest goals should be to establish both internal and external networks. Mm-hmm. 
because this will pay dividends to you, whether it relates to the school of teaching or research scholarship or even service engagement. So many of these opportunities I call the, the banana split comes through when you surround yourself by like-minded individuals who can help each other, whether that's junior to junior, because I still think budding up is a wonderful opportunity that plants seeds fruits that come forward through those collaborations, as well as mid-career or more seasoned faculty. So I think collaborating with others, building your team around those three cornerstones of our roles and responsibilities is what pays dividends tremendously, I would say. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice. And I love that you specifically mentioned internal and external networks, um, because I think all of those people and all of those informal mentors can provide something and it may be different um you know people that are across the country from you or at at different size institutions and things like that so i think that's really great advice do you have any um books or podcasts or resources that you would recommend for faculty as they're going through their career i do i actually have a few again i was trying to be succinct um i I love so many. I mean, and I'm always thirsty for reading and input. It's in my um, leadership strength. But yeah. Tomorrow's Professor is a great teaching-related um, blog that I have come into my inbox, and I don't miss reading. Mm-hmm. The Faculty Focus is another wonderful resource. They've got uh, teaching on the run focused areas. They have white papers that they put out, and you can have access to um, anything by Mary Ellen Weimer, mm-hmm. Weimer runner. I can't say her name, I'm, but she's amazing. She does run the faculty focus mm-hmm. herself, but has several books she's written. So anything I see of hers, I grab. I love Daniel Pink. Oh yeah. Um, and he wrote that book called drive and mm-hmm. it really set up my construct for again, thinking about being department chair and what drew me to that position. It really does revolve around, the mentorship and nurturing of faculty as it relates to those three key areas he discusses. So thinking about mastery, autonomy, and purpose. I live my life by that, and I extend my um, development of others through those lenses as well. I've been following um, habits of mind for some time and thinking about how habits of mind not just apply in secondary education, but how we can apply that in pharmacy, teaching, and learning. So I've been not just reading books about that, but following anything I can find on the internet as it relates to newsletters or strategies to how to approach that in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then podcasts, I found a few recently that I think I can easily apply in the academic life, but that would be Choiceology that's actually put out by Charles Schwab. Mm -hmm. And then On Being is another podcast that I really enjoyed listening to. So Beyond that, I would say um, hallway conversations, as uh, not to anyone's surprise, often can stimulate great ideas or um, fostering opportunities to have a think tank at your institutions, and that's something I've tried to structure at mine, both within the department and between departments. And so ideation and great brainstorming, whether it's for scholarship or grants, can often come through if folks are just given time to come together and discuss. Great. Those are great resources. Thank you. Well, speaking of stimulating ideas, um, I think 
so far, the interviews on this podcast have really kind of focused on um, teaching and again, like insight from your first day. But you did mention that you have been involved in more kind of an administrative or department chair role. And I think a lot of us are feel strong, pretty strong in our teaching or pretty strong in our scholarship or pretty strong in our service. Um, but do you have any advice for those who are considering taking on a department chair type of role? Yeah, so advice for taking on a department chair role. Um, lots of things I'm, are coming to my mind. Obviously, the first is development-related, both internally and externally. So I think seeking out faculty um, internally that can serve as a mentor who perhaps, for example, is in a vice chair role or currently in the department chair role. So when you're meeting with your supervisor to discuss goal setting, be it short-term and long-term, vocalizing this interest obviously is critical so that they can bring opportunities to you that may be available within the department, within the school, within the university in terms of development. And I think the same would be true externally. So who is it in your network or of someone you would like to be in your network that you would say serves as a role model or someone that you would aspire to follow their career journey as it relates to administrative paths? Mm -hmm. So seeking those individuals out for that personal connection or that invitational reciprocal relationship around mentoring, mentor-mentee relationship would be obviously to one's advantage who's seeking this as a career um, goal. I would say looking for development opportunities on your own through your institutions, again, at the department, school, college, or university level, and seeking out there's a number of professional programs available both within the medicine discipline and I would also recommend external to the medicine discipline. So early on when I went down the career path, I requested from my supervisor or my dean these developmental opportunities outside the institution. So yeah. whether that's looking at Harvard or um, AACPD's ALFP program or there are several organizations that put out similar leadership programs that are usually weekend training programs, you're just away a few days, and when you're early on on your administrative path, those programs are so valuable. Yeah. So, so valuable to forming you in your networks with peers within other schools and colleges of pharmacy or, again, outside in other disciplines. Their perspectives are often very enlightening, and I really gained a lot when I went to programs where... I may have been the only representation of pharmacy, right? Mm -hmm. So there could be multitude of other disciplines from K through higher education and being able to gain their experiences and what that lessons they've learned and reciprocating that from my experiences, those informal and formal networking opportunities that professional meeting affords you have been valuable to me, not just early on as a department chair, but even still today. And I think I love your message that these resources are out there and maybe we should take off our pharmacy blinders, you know, a little bit and go and seek out outside. I feel the same way. I mean, I know I've only done um, a few different presentations or workshops uh, with our just our Center for Teaching and Learning even on campus. And they have, you know, a certification now and they have um, all these different things. And like you said, sometimes I'm the only pharmacy person or even the only health sciences person. But 
I think the resources are there and I love your message of just going out and finding them um, and making that a priority as you take on these different roles. So who inspires you or where do you get your best ideas when it comes to teaching and learning? For my inspiration and the best ideas, I think it comes from a multitude of areas, both with intention and then organic, you know, just living each day and being open to possibilities. I often think of life as a book of possibilities and Mm -hmm. you have to be open-minded to receive them. I think actually it's going to maybe sound corny, but my husband, Mm -hmm. Stuart uh, Haynes, does inspire me greatly. He has been in academia longer than I, someone I knew of before we met and, and developed a relationship. He's very accomplished in the academy. He is just so inspiring in his craft. His We share a lot of common interests in our approach to teaching and learning. We have the same area of specialization in clinical practice. We've been able to author books, chapters together, write articles together, present together. And his ability to design programming, which is a passion we share, inspires me. His ability to write and edit um, inspires me. His passion for advancing our profession, both in academia as well as clinically, inspires me. So I think having someone so close to me that serves as a daily inspiration has been very valuable. He's very supportive of my areas of passion and my growth and development. I think we support each other in that. And I, I, as I recommended earlier, have also surrounded myself and networked with colleagues through association involvement over the years mm-hmm. that have become my partners in teaching and learning and my partners in clinical practice advancement for pharmacists of provider status or seeking provider status. So the same core group of junior faculty I started with way back in <laughs> 2000 and 2001 have been the same group of women and men that we have grown together in our interests, in our pursuits. We share common attributes, I would say, around ideation and creativity and trying to seek ways to be innovative. So by sustaining those partnerships and growing deeper with each other over the years, I I believe they inspire me, and I hope that I inspire them. I think another example would be the same individuals. Um, We have been very passionate about faculty development. It's Mm -hmm. been part of my responsibilities for years, but I had interest in it even before it was given to me as an area that we need you to take this on. Right. Both at my previous institution and my current institution, and like-minded individuals at other schools and colleges have the same interest around faculty development, and we always felt challenged in trying to deliver a program or programming for our faculty that would be beneficial and not be overwhelming them in terms of time commitment and their ability to take those pearls and put them into action. And so we came up with this idea around delivering faculty development in five minutes. So we developed a five-minute university. Right, absolutely. And we've been working together for the last three years to build a curriculum that schools and colleges can use around effectively delivering faculty development in five minutes. So that's a great example of how uh, working with others that are like-minded and have the same interests that inspire me and hopefully inspire them, we have built almost this coalition around an area of passion and advancing teaching and learning for faculty across the academy. 
That is fantastic. And such, like you said, such a great example of collaboration among, um, among colleagues. Well, my last question for you is what would be your overall prescription for success and happiness in this position and then just in general? My overall prescription for success and happiness, I think being um, open-minded, I always think about carpe diem, right? So Mm -hmm. seize the day, take every day as a new blessing, Um, take the trips that you want to trip because that you want to travel to do to help open your mind and fuel your creativity in life and in your work. Do those certifications, whether it's clinically to support your areas of specialization, whether it's to support your teaching and learning, or whether it's to support something personally, like has been shared around my pursuit for becoming a yoga instructor. I mean, why wait for retirement? I think the point I would want to drive home is every day is a blessing and try and greet the day with that book of possibilities so that you can continue to grow mentally, physically, spiritually, um, work on your bucket list. Laughter is the best medicine. So trying to incorporate, I think, you know, when when I think about what makes for a healthy life, um, I think, again, trying to be open and receptive, a positive mindset, being mindful. So I'm always thinking about mindfulness, which I know has become very contemporary, thankfully, in our society. Mm -hmm. I think those would be some pearls I would try and relay in terms of how to approach life and how to be successful in life and to continue on our journey. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for being on the podcast. This is a great honor for me, and thank you for inviting me to share with you today.